I'm oblivious to you skeptics. What you hear, you ain't never hear till I repped it. Aerodescent What's heroes, good, everybody? What's good? Welcome back to yet another episode of Off the Strength, where we're giving you the inside look into all things wellness culture. I'm a trainer called Tony, and of course, with me, I got some gentlemen of extraordinary league guys. Let's go around the table and introduce ourselves, please. K.R. Jones is in the building. Good morning. There we Troy go. Brooks is here. Happy day. There we go. Your trainer, Corey, a.k.a. your favorite trainer's favorite trainer. All right. We got the full squad in the house. Happy to be here. Happy to kick off the week. Something special. And folks, ladies and gentlemen, from near and far, you are in store for a treat today. When I first came across this brother that we are about to introduce, I got to tell you, I was very intrigued. And honestly, I was inspired almost instantaneously by the story. I get a lot of stuff sent to me all the time. But I can't tell you that I'm always going to be checking it out. But when I saw it, I was like, you know what? This is a guy that I need to talk to. And we've been going back and forth for a little bit. So I know that you guys are in store for a treat. Ladies and gentlemen, from near and far, I'd like to make the introduction to musician, athlete, and inspirational, motivational speaker, Anthony Ferrero. Anthony, how you doing today, my man? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? I'm good. Guys, let's make some noise for Anthony one time. Clap it up for my man coming through. Thank you for coming out. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Now, now, I'm very excited to have you inside here, first and foremost. Thank you for coming through. And, Anthony, we would like to get into all those different verticals that we just mentioned about you being a musician. You say you just finished playing this past weekend. You're you're an athlete, active out there, still getting into the wrestling and, uh, and, uh, I'm sorry, jujitsu, is it correct? Uh, Judo, right? Judo, okay. Professionally, yeah. Wanted to make sure I get that right, you know. And then also the motivational speaking. But I'd like to take you through this story the way that we go through it anthony okay absolutely so we're gonna start this thing off a little something like this i'm gonna say anthony where were you when you first fell in love with that thing that we call wellness can you break that story out for me yeah um you know it was about seventh grade i just transferred over from i had been going to school in philadelphia i grew up in spring lake new jersey a little beach town in monmouth county and I grew up going to Philadelphia back and forth every day to learn uh, Braille, read and write, and do things like that at school and to integrate it to the normal public school. And then seventh grade, I transferred, and I was this little, like, chubby kid, you know. I was not too in, in shape, like, not feeling well about myself, and I wanted to get into something, and I was the youngest of five, and my both my brothers were in great shape, and my older brother, Oliver, he wrestled, and he was really good, and... So did my dad, and I was like, you know what? I want to start picking up wrestling and just getting in shape. And then once I started, like, you know, the grind, going in the room every day and just working out, it just it felt amazing. And I just fell in love with, you know, getting healthy and taking care of my body and mind. That's what's up, man. Now, getting into wrestling in that seventh grade space, we've had brushes where my, my friend over here, Kyle, has said that he's been a wrestler and Corey's been in the combat of sports before. Guys, do you have any stories about how you first got started into wrestling? And then maybe we can kind of contrast that against where Anthony started into wrestling. Because there's there's a space in between those two things. I'd like to understand a little bit. 
Uh, I want to start by saying I did not wrestle. I showed up one day and quit. <laughs> so already, Anthony, you're already one level above Kyle. Just yeah. want to point that out. Uh, what, but I was fascinated originally by the weigh-in and having to show up and everyone have to be that weight to wrestle. And like, if you were over, like, dude was like, yo, I got to go to the bathroom. I got to go check the shit. And it's like, that's a real thing. I didn't know that was a thing. And that's what initially drew me in was that health and wellness aspect of it. It's like, wow, you have to maintain this week at this weight and you have to eat a certain amount of food or blah 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 to to maintain it and that's what drew me into it yeah that part is brutal <laughs> my my experience is a little bit different um I, I was already fighting at that point and um i was primarily a striker so i would get into i'd get into into fights and wrestlers would put me to work so i was like all right i got to do something about this because i can't always strike my way out of this you know like the especially for a while when mma was early in there wasn't a big transition between the the striking and the ground game like that right. jiu-jitsu transition and that wrestling transition wasn't always there so if you were a striker you just had to figure out how to fight a wrestler and it got real ugly for me so i was like let me get better and at the time i was heading off to college so iowa had a great wrestling program so i was getting beaten up i did not wrestle for iowa I did. <laughs> I did get worked by them though. Like, they let me come through. They let me play. They got to toss me around. That's I was amazing. a rag doll for them, and yeah. I learned a lot. And it helped me really figure out wrestling. Then when I came back, I hired some wrestling coaches, and I developed my wrestling game to the point where I'm passively okay. Like I won't get hurt too badly if I go up against a real wrestler. But I've never gotten like that high level with it. Yeah, that's what's up. Yeah, man. So we're trying to unpack some of these little pieces inside here, right? So now, Anthony, I want to understand if you can go into a little bit of the story about the actual skills that are required to be a wrestler and how that formed where you were going to go forward inside of your professional fighting career. Um, talk to me about how the, those initial processes went. Um, when you decided to flip that switch to go pro and when did you say, you know what, I have something here that, you know, maybe some people don't expect me to have inside this space. All right, well, that's kind of a... a interesting story like I started in seventh grade and I was I was terrible man I went like two and twelve and I, one of my wins was a forfeit just where you go out and get your hand raised and I wanted to get good you know I didn't want to just be like some little blind kid that you know wasn't good at couldn't hang with the other kids in wrestling you know and like so my, I just begged my dad. I was like, Dad, find me a club. Find me a club. Like, I, I want to train at this. I want to get good. And he's like, all right, Anthony. And he thought it was just because I lost. Like, coming off a loss, you know, you just want to get better right then. But then it, like, falls apart. You don't really stick with it. And then I just kept, beg like, bothering him and bothering him. And he was like, all right, I got to find him a club. So he wrote to this guy, Mike Melanconico, in uh, Wall Township, New Jersey, at this club, Rhino Wrestling Club. And he said, you know, my son just finished up seventh grade. He's a great weight, 160 pounds, and uh, he wants to do good at wrestling. He wants to get better. And he goes, one more thing, uh, my son's blind. And the guy wrote back right away, like, that's awesome. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm ready for it. Let's do it. And I started training four days a week, just nonstop, like going every day. Monday through Thursday and then going to tournaments every weekend and just getting slammed all the time, like just not scoring a point for a couple months going to tournaments. And I was just like, all right, well, I got to set my goals a little lower. So I started making my goals instead of winning matches, you know, I'll start scoring some points on these guys. And I started, you know, just fighting my way and fighting my way and finally I started scoring points and then it started turning the corner where I started winning matches and like 
it just started feeling good and eighth grade comes around and I finally like I go 25 and one from the previous year going two and 12 and I won like the whole tri-county championship and stuff like that and with me when you wrestle since I'm wrestling sighted kids and I'm uh, I grew up blind I have Leber's congenital amaurosis it's a degenerative eye condition with the retina and uh so I uh when I wrestled kids they had to stay in contact with me that with the it's a two-hand touch start and then when we broke apart like I couldn't find the kids so they'd restart in the center and the kid I was wrestling in the championship in eighth grade, I was losing like 13 to two maybe or something with about 45 seconds left. And I took him and threw him to his back. And, you know, I ended up winning the match. And his dad came over to my dad saying, you know, your son has an unfair advantage. He doesn't belong in this sport. He should go in the Special Olympics. Like, he should try a different sport. Like, it's not fair to my son that he has to stay in contact. And it was just like, it was heartbreaking, you know, and I was just like, I just worked my ass off and like, you're coming at me like this. And it just kind of made me feel a certain way, like just angry. And, you know, how could a parent even do this right now? And for, uh, for high school, then I started, uh, I was supposed to go to the school. My, both my brothers went to Christian Brothers Academy and they, gave me a handwritten letter of acceptance in seventh grade saying you know we're you're accepted to the school we're going to start getting your books brailed and things like that and in eighth grade the president died and we uh got a letter from the school saying you know anthony's no longer accepted uh we don't want to have to accommodate for him he doesn't belong in the he won't fit into the culture and things like that and it was just a big blow to me at, at like eighth grade you know like you're going you think you're set on this high school both your brothers went to and it was just like a big shock to me and just being told you can't go somewhere because you're blind and I don't know it just hit me hard and I just started putting all my focus in wrestling because I was angry you know it, it didn't make sense to me at that time and so uh, I ended up going to the school St. John Vianney in Homedale, New Jersey, and I started wrestling there. And I was on varsity all four years, and uh, I was a captain for three years, and I won about 122 matches uh, in all four years of wrestling and had about 19 losses. And I won districts twice and took fourth in the region twice. And uh my junior year when I was doing so well, making a name for myself, you know, kids were getting like jealous and stuff. So they'd like make comments like this kid has an unfair advantage. Uh, he's, he's faking being blind. One time a parent was telling my dad I was faking being blind. And while he's saying it to him, I'm tripping over in the bleachers. Like what? <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> so this funny things have happened. And like fast forward, my brother, makes a sizzle reel of me talking my junior year about like dealing with some of the adversity and just you know like working out wrestling being a blind wrestler and blind teenager and things like that and he made this three minute clip and put it on the like put just put it on facebook or something and uh it was you know this is my little brother and i want to make a film about him it showed clips of me like skateboarding the half pipe and you know, surfing and just doing different things like that. 
and wrestling and and all types of things and just showing that like I'm a you know just trying to be a normal kid catching up with everyone else and uh someone saw this my junior year after I won districts my coach posted it and a guy got a hold of it and said you know what are you doing with this it's an amazing story and my brother said you know I'm not really doing much with it I need help I need camera operator film producer something i don't have all the resources and they decided to sit down they sat down had a meeting and decided to make like a full feature length documentary about my senior year following me around wrestling and doing all types of different things and that's exactly what they did you know they i was followed around my senior year with the cameras and stuff and did a bunch of interviews and they filmed my whole senior year about me trying to be the first blind state champion and it didn't really didn't really uh go like as planned you know for me I didn't hit my goals but I still had like a great season and things went well and so after my senior year they kind of postponed it a little bit like they put it on the shelf things happened in their lives and then in 2015 Chris Sikorsky, the producer, like took it off the shelf. He's it's like, it's been hanging over my head. And he took it off the shelf and put together the first 15 minutes of the film. And after that, he, uh, he contacted my brother and like, he loved what he had. Like, he's like, there's a great story here. We got to do this. And they, uh, set to meet. And the day before they met for my brother to see the first 15 minutes, uh, my brother passed away at 27 of a overdose in his sleep. So it was just like a real hard time. And, you know, it was a big shocker to everyone, big blow to the family. And like, I'm the youngest of five, but I'm also, uh, my mom's the second oldest of 13. We have 60 cousins that all live like right in the county. And, it was just a big blow to everyone and like Ollie was bigger than life you know he like was able to take someone's vision and make it a reality and he just loved people and you know just loved life and after this happened Chris came to his funeral and vowed to finish the film whatever it took and he put on Kickstarter you know the trailer uh, that we need to raise like $40,000 and we ended up raising it in six days and four hours. And then we raised like 85,000 in like wow. 30 days and was able to finish the film and do all this stuff. And, you know, uh, it just like it, while the trailer was going on, on like Kickstarter it was all over Facebook and stuff. And it got about over a million views, the trailer when it was going viral and, the, one of the views was the United States Paralympic Committee. And one day I'm sitting in my house, like, you know, just kind of feeling sorry for myself and seeing all this stuff about the film, like, making me want to get back into training. Like, you know, it's been a couple of years since I did anything, really, and I just wanted to get after it again. And, like, I'm sitting in my house, and I get a phone call, and it's, I'm like, hello? And they're like, this is so-and-so from the... United States Paralympic Committee. I'm like, I think you have the wrong number, you know, like, and uh, he is like, no, is this Anthony Ferraro? I'm like, yeah, uh, how can I help you? He's like, I saw the trailer and, uh, you know, wrestling's no longer in the Paralympics, but judo is the next best thing, like closest to it. And 
uh, it's it's against other blind individuals and visually impaired individuals. Like that's the disability for the Paralympics for judo. And would you consider going around the world, you know, training, seeing if you like it, and then going around the world competing internationally to try to uh, make it to the 2020 Paralympics in Tokyo? And I was like, let me call you right back. You know, like you had to think <laughs> about this, and like I. I uh, called. I hung up and called. The first person I called was my coach, Mike Melanconico from Rhino, and I was like, "Mike, like, I just got a call from the United States Paralympic Committee about judo," and he's like, "Shut up and go do it." You know, like that's. <laughs> I was like, "All right," and I hung up and called the guy back, and he was like, "All right, I'll do it." And you know, I've been doing it ever since for like the past, I want to say, two and a half years, and like I've doing really well like won nationals and i took ninth in a previous world championship in azerbaijan uh, i'm currently ranked 13th in the world and they take top 13 to go to the paralympics so like as long as i keep my status up and keep making it to the qualifying tournaments and it all looks pretty good right now and just been you know training really hard and that's kind of where it what brings me to where I am today? Wow, man! Wow, threw a lot at you right there. There was a lot. I didn't want to stop it for yeah, a second. Either. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, my brother Troy has a question for you. But before we get right into that, I just have to say, Anthony. First, thank you for being as candid in your sharing as possible. Um, and second, you know, there might be some setbacks, some peaks and valleys in that story. But I hear a thread of perseverance inside there. And what I hear is you seeing that untapped strength and you seeing that that untapped potential even when people wanted to be naysayers or wanted to take that away from you and you didn't let that happen so i wanted to say from the bottom of my heart and i'm sure the men in this room feel the same way sir you are inspirational in every sense of that word take that and appreciate that that means a lot there we go no he was definitely able to harness his power in that situation so i guess what i wanted to speak to is um uh, through the story uh, and the narration that you were speaking, um, what I was able to see was um, so basically, you you the father uh, had negative comments, right? And he said to you like, "You don't belong here." Mm-hmm. Um, the person at the school, the president, passed away, um, and you said it was no longer there, and so the school said, "You no longer belong here," right? Mm-hmm. So when did it when did it hit you that? it was no longer a position for you to fit in and that you truly had to kind of stand out because that's what I see as someone who was just, you had the ability to shine and stand out. You weren't supposed to fit in. You know, man, it's funny you ask that because in high school, I used to get so bothered all the time. Like at first I thought it was kind of cool, but like I'd have newspaper articles come up to me, like newspaper reporters come up to me all the time, you know, saying like, Let me, can, can I talk? Can we talk? Can I get a story? And I'd do it at first, and, like, it it was always the same story, just blind wrestler, blind wrestler, blind wrestler. And that's what I saw it as, basically, at least. And I started getting bothered by it. But, you know, at, like, the end of the year, I started getting, like, letters and stuff from people saying, you know, because of your story, because of just seeing you, like, you know, just the kind of, like, don't care attitude about what people are saying and, like, just keep going i was able to like you know stop feeling sorry for myself and stop drinking because i had a drinking problem or i was able to get up and get a job and like these things were it just kind of blew my mind like you know 
you're like 16, 17 years old and like people are saying these things to you and you're just like, I'm just trying to be a normal kid, you know what I mean? But like, it was, it hit me hard because I was like, well, the least I can do is not be selfish and like at least share my story and like talk to people and be open about it so people can use that, you know, to stop feeling sorry for themselves if it works. Like I always used to say in high school, and I still say it, like if I could affect like one kid with a disability or anything, just like if I could like help one kid at the end of the day, then my job is like done, you know? Yeah. Well, Respect, man. For sure, man. You're doing your job more than yeah. that. You're doing enough yeah. jobs for a few people out there, my <laughs> man. <laughs> you here working, man. I have a question for you, brother. I, um, I trained some Paralympic athletes and, um, for goalball. Oh, that's that. what's up. Yeah. So I, I would, I'd like, I know a lot of people had that question when I was doing a lot of training like that. So I'm sure people would like to hear what your training regimen is like, what your general routine is for training for that. So I'm kind of a psycho. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I grew up like, just from like seventh grade on, I grew that like wrestling mentality where, you know, you go as hard as you can. Like, I love the grind where like, you know, you work so hard, you basically are like crawling out of the practice room or whatever. And like, I almost like that stuff more than competing sometimes. And it's like, uh, you know, I wake up, I have some, like a little like uh, tea or breakfast or something and then go to the gym. And I've been working with this guy, Lenny, at, uh, the green fitness studio in brooklyn lenny's my guy lenny's the man yeah. you know, he's uh he puts me through like the craziest workouts right now every day pretty much like going uh you know just like tire flipping kettlebell stuff like speed ropes and just anything you could think of he, he throws it at me in like all different kind of creative ways so that's been going really well and then i'll train at the uh I train judo at the New York Athletic Club, like, on Mondays and Wednesdays usually. And then, you know, uh, there's also this other club I'll go to in the city, Oishi Judo Club. And then I'll also train in Jersey on, like, Fridays or the weekends sometimes at either uh, Shore Thing Wrestling Club because there's a judo club there. And uh, it's ran by this guy, Andy Ruggiero, who's the man. And... Then also I'll do jujitsu at Kurt Pellegrino's in Jersey too. So it's it's a lot. It's fun. I train like probably five six days a week. What are you doing for recovery? Uh, do like sauna, steam room, yoga. I need to get a little better with the recovery. To be honest, I was doing uh like physical therapy for a while, just like recovery type massage and things like that. I actually just at my most recent tournament, like hyperextended my uh, tendon, my elbow. So that's been brutal. Well, we got some guys that we could definitely. Yeah, we got to connect you up with some recovery. On the recovery, we got you. That'd be great. Make sure that we get you as a well balanced athlete, Anthony. You know, we can't just have you all going (laughs) and not on the recovery side. You know, no, absolutely. We got to make sure we get you in there. But um, Anthony's being a little bit modest because I've seen some of the videos of him working out. I have too. Uh, yeah, this brother's moving around the room yeah. pretty solidly, man. Like, I saw the, the renegade push-ups that you were doing in there and then uh, switching yeah. back into the pull-ups. Yeah. It was like, Anthony's yeah. in here moving around. And I was like, uh-huh. oh, he's got a different type of engine. He, <laughs> there, there hasn't been a rest break yet in this whole little video. I was like, okay, I see where you're going, man. And It's, it's, it's pretty funny, man, because, like, I think one of the things that really helped me become a harder worker was, you know, when you're in a room, like, growing up at, like, sports and stuff – 
there's times where the coach isn't looking and like has his back turned to you or something and kids see that and they like take advantage of it you know they'll slack or something you know at least a lot of kids will and like I never had the advantage to see that so like even if I'm dead tired like dying for air like I think I'm being watched so I'm just always going hard you know what I mean and like kind of just took that mentality away from it and kept going with it ever since like even if I'm working out alone right on man and it shows the work shows that you put that type of mentality in it and the result is going to keep giving you the result that it has been giving you thus far man that's, um, that's how wrestlers do they train until it's time to eat yeah. <laughs> they just yeah. go and they say you ready to eat All right, and that's it <laughs> make sure we make note of that so, like, let me check my weight first see <laughs> there we go and I also wanted to make sure that we announce the actual title of the movie because I don't know if you did it's, it's shot in the dark correct yeah shot in the dark and it's available on uh Vimeo and Amazon Prime too. Amazon's like the easiest way to go to it. There we go. So All make right. sure, folks, you check that out. Um, so Anthony, I know we talked a lot about what you do on the physicality side, um, and I show my brothers over here have some more questions inside that. But one of the most base tenets of the show is that we talk about the stuff that happens outside of the strength and outside of the movement practice because you're a fully formed person outside of there as well. So two things that I'd like to know and I'd like to try to get into a little bit more is the role that music plays in your life. Um, you as a musician, there's a whole story on that side. And then you also as a motivational speaker. So if we can start first with you as a musician, can you take me through the story of how music has informed your practice, your movement, and what you get from that side? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I kind of like, music was the best thing that could ever happen to me, especially with like, I found it later in life, like maybe freshman year of college or senior year of high school, actually. And it just like, completely balanced out like the wrestling and like just that whole like macho mentality that you're around all the time where it's like the guitar gives you like an escape you know what I mean where you're just like nothing else matters and it's funny because like freshman sophomore year my dad would drive me to school every day uh just in the mornings because he worked in East Rutherford and I'd go to school in St. John Vianney so it was like kind of on his way home Dell and uh, so I'd always be playing music in his car and like, I'd be playing the radio just like, you know, like not, not even the, not even good rap, like obnoxious rap from the radio. <laughs> and like my dad, like he loves music, man. He loves jazz. He loves it all. And like, he would try so hard to get me. He's like, listen, this is the original rap. Like listen to the blues. Like try so hard to get me to listen to like, you know, real music, I guess you would say. <laughs> at, like with instruments and stuff and I just was against it for a while and then one day you know my dad is he's like learning trumpet because he played piano his whole life like and an accordion and he's learning the trumpet and he's like getting pretty good and it's my senior year of high school and my buddy who's really good at the drums starts playing with my dad like he's my buddy's on the hand drum my dad's playing his trumpet i'm like this is bullshit like i want to play you know like I, i'm just sitting here like feeling left out so i run down to the basement where i know there's a guitar that my uncle left and i was like just show me like a chord like just show me what i gotta play and like he showed me my first chord and I just started strumming on it, and I was terrible, man. Like, it was, they used to call me Stone Hands, like, because I had no rhythm. Uh, 
like when I would be practicing in the beginning on my acoustic, my parents would be in the kitchen and my family would be like, can you like go somewhere else and do that? And I'd be like, this is messed up, man. Like just trying to practice. I practice nonstop, like just over and over, like fingers would be bleeding and then be sore the next day and just keep doing it. And I just uh, fell in love with music, fell in love with like the blues, fell in love with jazz, like just all types of music like you name it i love it and i got like started collecting records and stuff and just created like a whole new you know like portal in my life that i entered and was able to like explore Mm. and just started you know doing that a lot like aside from because i worked like for example in high school like wrestling season i'd go to school and then go to practice and then and usually during school, during gym class, we had this guy, Eddie Hernandez, who would always, like, put me through some, like, crazy workout while everyone's, like, like, you would be able to pick weight room as one of the things. And, like, I'd pick weight room and people would do it just stand around and on a machine or something. And he had, so over in the corner, like, put me through, like, a marine workout. And people were, like, looking, like, that's, like, torture, you know. <laughs> I, was, I was just, so I'd do that and then, like go to practice right after school and then go to the wrestling club after practice. And then I'd go to, sometimes I'd have like a strength training at the club before practice. And then I'd go to practice and then I'd go to a private lesson sometimes like after that from like 10 to like nine to 10 or 10 to 11. And like, I wouldn't get home till like 1130 at night, some nights and just working out like all the time, like nonstop. Cause I felt like I was, you know, I was starting late, like I started in seventh grade, and these kids are starting when they're like in second grade. So I was like, I gotta keep like catch up, you know. And so, like that's kind of how I took music. Like I was just like, I want to play so bad, I'm just gonna play until I can. Like, yeah, man, and, I'm seeing a pattern in your story, yeah. Anthony. I'm starting to put yeah. some things together. This man is determined. Yes. Yeah, yes. He takes the challenge and he says, you know what? Accept it. Yeah, it's definitely. time to go. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Anthony, I guess my question to you would be, uh, what, what are you listening to to work out, man? When you're getting this exercise in or this lyrical exercise, what are you using to get you amped and motivated? You mean like music wise? Yeah, music yeah, wise. Yeah. When you're uh, training. You know, it's always different. Like, I could put on like some, I'll do like Eminem or like 50 Cent, and then sometimes I'll put on like jazz or like even like comedy or something like just random shuffles on pandora like you know like each thing gets me in a different mood and if i'm feeling it like i just leave it on it kind of makes you because some things you know will like pull you in and you're all into the song or other things will kind of space you out and you're just so into the workout so it's like different vibes yeah different thing for different situations yeah you talked about the uh the balance from the finding the music and and fighting and finding that that way to kind of come back and bring a little bit of the animal down from you do you and i and you talked about pat in your past you've had some some things you had to overcome do you feel like you've found your balance now do you you seem to me like a balanced person but do you feel internally like you found that level yeah i definitely this is the most balanced i've ever felt in my life like you know growing up i wasn't always like like i still have moments we all do and, and it's like you just it's how you come back from those moments or just overcome them. You know, it's, it, that's kind of, it, it turns into a habit, like how you treat situations. Am I going to like just back down and, and just, you know, 
like lay down or am I going to overcome this? And that's just kind of how I took it, you know. What's the one thing that you go back to when you know you find yourself falling into that spot or you feel like you're losing your balance? Where do you where do you go to to get right back? Uh, the gym. That love, that process. Yeah, it's like the torture. Yeah. Jim is my church, too. I, mean, yeah. I understand it, man. I think everybody understands how that, you know, that act of penance, so to speak, if it is your, your source of refuge, you know, you can always go back to one inside that space and build yourself back up, right? Absolutely. It's just humbling. It's like, it, you know, you can really beat yourself up in the gym and then walk out of there and feel so much better. Mm. Yeah. Anthony, it's Troy here again. Um, question I have for you, man. So, I, like, like Tony said, um, I'm starting to put together a story, right? So, uh, in your journey, I see that you said you played guitar till your fingers were bleeding, right? When it came to training, um, I saw the videos. You train insane. It seems like your story has a lot to do with persistence, right? And I obtain that to a certain mindset. I'm reading a book right now. I'm actually listening to a book right now called The Growth Mindset. And there's two different mindsets. There's the growth mindset and then there's the fixed mindset. And the growth mindset speaks about people who where things happen to them, but opposed to taking a why me approach, they turn those adversities into triumphs, right? So you also said something about you having a big family. Um, so when I look at your story, I look at your energy, your dedication, your persistence. Is there anybody in your family that you could attribute that to? Uh, well, first of all, definitely my mom. <laughs> she, uh, she's definitely one of the most persistent people I've ever met. She, like, when, when I was younger, they had to find a school for me to learn like braille and, and you know just to be able to function in in the real world to say and she did that like she found the best school it was St. Lucie's Day School for the Blind in Philadelphia and they wouldn't the state wouldn't provide transportation from Spring Lake to New Jersey to Philly so my mom started like she went after them with like a court case and like so for like two years, my mom and I lived in Philly during the week in a one bedroom apartment and just so I could go to the school and then come home on the weekends and she'd take care of the kids. And my dad worked like, you know, an hour and a half away from home. So like he didn't get home till pretty late either. And, you know, it just uh like she she doesn't stop like they they fought and fought in this court case and like she ended up winning and my mom like ended up you know even going back to school and getting her uh becoming a orientational mobility instructor like teaching kids how to use a cane and like travel independently and things like that and she just when cb christian brothers academy rejected me in high school when the new school was coming like trying to get me to go there the coach that was trying to get me to go there the school was having a little, like, they were being a little, you know, like, uh, we don't know, we don't know. And my mom was like, just my coach, like, you're going to make this happen. Like, like basically, like, just kept, she just wouldn't stop, you know, like, whatever. I don't know. She taught me so much. Like, just, for example, like, when I was younger, if I was in a store, and I wanted something like I was like, be like, Mom, I want this toy or something. And she'd be like, Here's five bucks, go find the counter and pay for it. 
And I was like, what the hell? You know what I mean? Like, I'm scared. Like, I don't know where anything is. And she's like, I'm not going to be here all the time for you. Like, you got to figure these things out. Like, she never treated me any differently, which was the best thing that she could have done. And then, you know, my dad definitely is just like, he's like the godfather. Like, he just takes care of everyone. And he's just the strongest guy I ever met. And he, you know, after my, after my brother got... Uh, after my brother passed away a couple months later my uh I was at my friend's house and like something was just telling me I had to go home I had to go home and like I just like I went back to my parents house because I was like all right well I gotta go I don't know why but I gotta go and I get home and like find my mom at the bottom of the stairs she had fallen down and like she suffered a traumatic brain injury, was in like a coma for two months. I like, I was the one that found her. I picked her up and, you know, brought her upstairs, ran her upstairs, called the ambulance and took care of that. And like, my dad just, you know, while this was going on, like, he just lost his son. His wife is like almost dead, like, could have passed away as well. And like, he just held it together so well and took care of everyone, you know, and like, it was just amazing to see and like I idolize him for that and then you know just my brother Oliver too he's just like he's larger than life like he was 27 when he passed away but he was like felt like he was 50 you know what I mean like he did so much in his life and just like I always saw him like larger than life growing up like he was just I couldn't like grasp it you know what I mean Anthony I want to let you know that you're larger than life too my man uh, you know, it's it's in the DNA, fam. Agreed. It's thank something that, that should definitely be felt all the way through. And again, thank you for for informing us as to the totality of how this whole thing came about. You know, um, I definitely want to start to go into like how you take that same story and transition that into the work that you share with the uh, other athletes that you come across and that motivational speaking, the messaging that you put together with that. Mm -hmm. But before I transition today, I want one more music question. If you could tell me who you're in your in your highest of highs, who you would want to play like, what's that sound? Like, who are some of the people that are your heroes on that side that you're trying to get to? Um, that's a good question. Like, I think like one of my favorites is Dwayne Allman, and then like Stevie Ray Vaughan. Okay, so. You got a little bit of soul, a little yeah, Britain yeah, there, my man. I love, like, man, I love the blues, so. Yeah, I like it. I see what you're putting down over here, yeah. man. It's a situation. It's a vibe that this man creating, folks. <laughs> Always make catching sure you, a vibe. You got to check in with him over here. All right, so now let's transition into that motivational aspect, right? Because you got a whole life's worth of work that you could share with people. And, and Anthony, forgive me, I, I know you're younger than me, but how old are you? I'm 24. All right, at 24, this man has lived, I'd say, at least six lifetimes of stories <laughs> yeah, inside that space. You know, and he's got a lot to share with them. Um, talk to me a little bit about what you get from, you know, trying to make others, others feel inspired and trying to show that that element that, you know what, no matter what the situation is that you're facing, you can go forward. You can do something, you know, that that is there's nothing going to hold you back. Yeah, man, it gives me so much pleasure to be able to, like, you know, nine times out of ten, like 80 percent of the people in a in a room could not even be hearing what you're saying but that 20 percent that you're hitting like it, it can really affect people in a positive way and and help people and when it does that like when you feel that spark and like 
people come up to you after and, and really, you know, let you know how you affected them or, or whatever. It, it's like the most rewarding thing in the world. You know, I've had kids come up to me in high school saying, you know, like, because of you, like, I, I just, like, I know I can do whatever I want to do now. Like, little kids, too, like, sixth, fifth, sixth, seventh graders, like, it, it's just the best feeling. Like, they look at you like you're a superhero, and it's just like, like, damn, I better be a good influence to these kids right now, you know? And it's just, like, I get to I get to tell people about, you know, things things can seem terrible, but they, they're going to get better. It, it's how you are going to handle this situation and you know it's things could always be worse like and they could always be better so why complain about everything and i try to just show people like you know the only disability really is a bad attitude like that's what i try to tell everyone when i speak to them and we could set our goals high and like if we fall a little short it's it's all right we just got to set them real high so when we fall short we're right where we need it to be so that's kind of how I live, like, through life like that. It's a hell of a way to go through it, man. And and it comes from a space of authority when I hear you talk about, you know, the only... Can you give me that line one more time? Can we pull that back? The only <laughs> disability? Because I want to make sure that people actually heard what you just said. Can you give me that one more time? Yeah, man. Uh, the only disability is a bad attitude. Because I, like, I've met people that, you know, are just sitting home feeling sorry for themselves. I can't get a job. Like, uh, I'm not making money blah 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 and then i meet like people in wheelchairs like like trying to climb rock like walls and go on hikes and shit like this and i'm like dude some people really need to get a grip you know what i mean like people like, if these people are doing this like there's no reason you can't go find a job Woo. heard i was about to say hey i hope somebody's <laughs> listening to that if you yeah. got any excuses after this episode folks <laughs> get rid of them unemployment should go down 12 yeah percent. <laughs> we're gonna make sure we let <laughs> <Absolutely>. them know absolutely <laughs> uh anthony man we we love to always leave our listeners with the gem uh something that can help them potentially just level up in their lives so if you can give our listeners i mean just one more gem to the twenty thousand that you dropped uh can you drop something for our listeners to kind of just help them level up in their lives off the strength yeah man i mean whatever it is you're doing just do it and like don't focus on the end goal all the time you know you got to enjoy where you're at right now and it's like like one of my biggest regrets in high school which i'm taking now like the lesson now i'm using and in high school i kind of just saw myself you know ahead trying to be a state champion trying to be a state champion and when i didn't achieve that my senior year I was, like, down. I, I thought I failed, you know? Like, I was, like, what the hell, man? Like, uh, and then, like, maybe a couple months later, I just started looking back, and I was, like, holy shit, I actually did, like, all these things in high school while I was trying to achieve this amazing goal. Like, I did things I probably could have never dreamt of doing. Like, I, I was this little chubby kid in seventh grade, like, feeling sorry for herself, and... I transitioned, like, transitioned into this, like, you know, I started getting muscle and, like, doing, pull, like, just training so hard, strength training, and just made this transition and won 122 matches. Like, you just got to enjoy where you're at. So, like, now with the judo, it's like, yeah, I want to be an Olympic champion, but I'm enjoying every step of the way, like, going to the gym, you know, not, like, just everything, literally, like, 
my meals, like just everything I can just to get me through the day. You know, it's don't look so far ahead because you'll freak yourself out. Mm. Mm. Focusing on the micro goals. Yeah. Enjoying the journey. Out. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, this is 20, 24 years on this planet, but this man's yeah. lived several yeah. lifetimes. I'm going to say it again. Because I'm hearing a lot that I'm taking notes for, Anthony. Again, you're inspiring me on this side, my man. Thank you, man. Anthony, uh, the folks out there are going to need to find you in a few different spaces. And they're going to need to know how they can support your message and where you can go. Can you let us know where we can find all the relevant information on how how to keep up with you? Yeah, uh, it's pretty easy. Like, I made my... I have a landing page where, like, all my links out to all my stuff. Like, my uh, Instagram, Facebook there's a youtube there where there's like a couple matches and like some music stuff and then soundcloud and uh a link to the film and uh so that is at it's a s f vision.com it's a s as in sandbox f as in frank vision.com all right, asfvision.com, folks. Make sure you check it out. Pull up and support my man. Now, you said you had a trip coming up soon, right? Yeah. Okay, uh, talk to me to, about that. Going to Lima, Peru for the Pan American Games. The, it's basically like a little miniature Olympics for the northern South Americas. And uh, they have, like, all the sports that are going to be in the Paralympics there. And it's like the world team and stuff like that. So it's going to be a good one. And then... After that, I had to Uzbekistan like two weeks later for another world championship. You're all over the world, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I try to keep up with this brother out here, man. So it's, you're going, I'm sorry, one more time. Where's the Pan American Games in August? They're in Lima, Peru. Lima, and then Uzbekistan after that. Yeah. I wouldn't even, I'd be hard stretched to point <laughs> Uzbekistan out gotta, on the map. Yeah. When you go out of, out of the building, you make a left. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to figure out. I was like, you go forward, then you ooze back? You, yeah. That's exactly how you got it. You, you get sick. an Uber to JFK. <laughs> that's exactly how you put it together. <laughs> I'm mad that you took that shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah anthony i'm seriously uh just in awe of everything that you came through and uh helped us out with um today and i want to say thank you again for sharing your story and please everybody pay attention to what this man is doing because it is going to move everyone forward if you understand how this guy is going uh fellas you have anything you want to ask anthony before we dip up out of here one more time I got nothing, man. I'm feeling inspired. <laughs> yeah, Can't we ready. Lie. The next thing I got to ask is when we training, man, because I want to get a part well, of this workout. Yeah. So oh, we got to figure good. this out. I'm down. Make sure we all pull up and make sure we support. <laughs> get them ready. You know, yeah. I'll let you uh, test out a couple moves on Jones first. You know, yeah. I'm going to go for the workout. He's the you most know? pliable. The strength training part. <laughs> Not at all. He's there, you know, <laughs> and then we, we wrap it all up with the recovery session together. How's that sound, Sounds buddy? great to oh, me. All right. Thank you so much for having me, man. Thank really you for coming it. through, brother. Thank you for coming through, Hell folks. Yeah. Once again, it's been another fantastic episode of Off the Strength. I'm a trainer called Tony. Troy Brooks. K.R. Jones. You're a trainer, Corey. Peace and much love to y'all. Until next time, we'll see you soon.